What's good, everyone? Welcome to Geeks Who Watch Football. I am Jeff Jackson. This is the podcast where we talk about football and video games and sometimes occasionally MCU, DCU, and uh, all sorts of nerd and fan films. I am, once again, Jeff Jackson. Today's episode is a football-centric episode. It is Wednesday, February 9th, the week right of the Super Bowl, this Sunday between the Cincinnati Bengals and the LA Rams. Not going to lie, I'm kind of a little in a... Uh, bad spot right now because i was hoping my prediction of the uh, packers and bills would have came through but even though i'm a dolphins fan i would have been liking to see buffalo make it because i'm up here in western new york and would have been a sight to see all the bars would have been popping and now it's kind of a low key but i will be cheering for the Bengals, by the way because they have the underdog story Uh, i want to see joey b get his first super bowl um but the reason i put that caveat out of the way is like i said this is a football episode i am not going to be talking at the super bowl though uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I released a State of the Union at the beginning of this year telling the different direction of the podcast. You can go check it out. I think it's like four or five minutes, basically saying where we're going moving forward. And I want to focus more on the draft stuff. So uh, just a quick reminder, though, leave a like, leave a review wherever you're listening, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, um, or if you're following it on the Facebook page, you can also follow it, uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm at MadTitan1018, where I post all the episodes, as well as my thoughts as news breaks, both in the video game landscape and in the sporting world. Um, but yeah, I wanted to take this episode to, because this is the first year, I just started this podcast up a year ago. So last year, the 2021 NFL draft was my first draft of giving my evaluations on players. Usually I did like a very, cause I didn't have much time to do it. Cause I started it up in January. I had a uh, top five list for like quarterbacks, my top five running backs, receivers. I didn't really get into all the positions. I just focused on the ones that were relevant to both the dolphins, but in general to, you know, more of the flashier positions. But I figured I'd start off with, this is my first where I was right. And I was wrong. Now I'm of the belief that it takes three years to properly evaluate a draft class. But at least after one year, gives us a, at least a little bit of a taste of where the prospects are heading. So this episode was dedicated to a look back to 2021 prospects that I was right about and some that I was wrong about. So without further ado, I'll get right into it. I have my notes up here. So I wanted to start with the positives. All right. Players that I was right about. Players that I thought that would be good and ended up good. Right. I did a man crush list. Last year, too, I believe I gave five prospects. I was three out of five. Three of them ended up being really good players. The other two, not so much their first year, mostly due to injuries. But I was three for five. Um, Those three players, of course, being Creed Humphrey, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Javante Williams. Javante's not on my good, good list yet because he didn't have quite the season Najee Harris did. But Javante Williams... I expect the jump up in year two, similar, not quite to the level of production you saw from Jonathan Taylor, but I I expect the workload increase in Javante because he did split yards or split carries with uh, Melvin Gordon there up in Denver. I think I think he still came close to a thousand yards. I think he had eight hundred yards rushing, and he looks like quite the pickup, you know, for the Denver Broncos. What a draft they had, by the way. I know they they ultimately got shit canned their coaching staff because they didn't get the quarterback right, but. Patrick Sertan, Javante Williams, and Quinn Miners 
all three of those guys just look phenomenal. And Quinn Miners was also on my man crush list. Like, God, what great players. I mean, great, great, great players, all three of them. So I think I had them as one of my draft winners uh, looking back. And just a year later, it still looks like they hit that draft out of the park. Um, so, yeah, that was one of my crushes. But I'll start it off with Najee Harris, as I hinted at. Number one was Najee Harris, taken by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round. He had 1,200 yards rushing, 10 total TDs, and 74 receptions. He was a main part of their offense. Pittsburgh ended up making the playoffs. I know he had a lot of carries, and his average yards per carry, I think, was like 3.4 or something like that. Not great, but he was a key part of the offense, both in the running and in the passing game. I expect... And that was with Big Ben having like half an arm where he couldn't even throw the ball deep. It wasn't even a threat to throw it deep, so teams stacked the box. Pittsburgh also had a bottom third of the league rush uh, offensive line, and he still produced numbers. So I expect Najee Harris, and like I said, he was a contributing factor on their offense on a team that made the playoffs and put up great stats. So I expect him to take another jump in year two. Um, Going forward, I said I wouldn't be surprised if Javante Williams ends up being the best back in the class after three or four years, but Najee would hit the gate running the quickest, and I appear to be right on that. Najee Harris is an absolute stud, Um, and I expect him to get better in year two. I expect Pittsburgh to add to the offensive line. I think they are going to draft a quarterback or try to get one of the big three. They're going to try to improve the quarterback position. I think Pittsburgh's going to have a better offense next year, so I expect Najee to go better with that as well. But So I was right on Najee Harris. Um, another player I was right on was Creed Humphrey. For those of you who know, I was pounding the table for Creed. I was incredibly upset when my Dolphins passed him over not only once, but twice. Instead, opting for Liam Eichenberg. (laughs) What was Creed Humphrey? Creed Humphrey, you know, center for the Chiefs. I think at one point by PFF, he was ranked as like the number three or number two center overall in the whole NFL. Absolute stud. Part of that rebuild offensive line, the team that made the AFC championship game before ultimately falling short to the Cincinnati Bengals. Creed Humphrey is a staple on that offensive line as a rookie. I expect nothing but great things for him moving so forward. And in year one, he's already established himself as one of the three best centers in football. That is absolutely incredible for a rookie. The rookie second round pick out of Oklahoma is an absolute stud. I'm incredibly pissed that my team passed on him. And I think about 31 other teams in the league are pissed because most of them passed on him twice as well. So, but Creed Humphrey, congratulations, buddy. Nothing but the best for you moving forward. Another player I was right on, and this is a big man crush. He took off later in the year. He started off slow, and that is Amon Ross St. Brown, wide receiver for the uh, Detroit Lions. He was from USC. He had 912 receiving yards, 90 receptions for five TDs. Now, this is impressive. For those of you who know, most of his touchdowns came in like the last four weeks. He really caught fire. Most rookies start hot and hit the rookie wall, they call it, which means because they're used to a shorter college season. So when they get to like that, you know, 10, 11 games in, they start to slow down. He was the opposite. He started slow for a team that was winless for its first eight games in the Detroit Lions. And then, you know, he was a driving force for them. He established chemistry with Jared Goff. He already is ranked as one of the six best rookie receivers in this class. And he was taken later in the second round, I believe. Oh, no, third round, I think he went. Um, Absolute stud, great all-around prospect. I loved him coming out of USC because he could run block, he could run routes, he had sure hands. He wasn't an elite talent, which is why he didn't go in the first round. I believe he slipped out of the second round due to that. He didn't have elite speed and he didn't have elite physical traits, but everything else was just solid. He was a typical jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none receiver prospect, and those very rarely bust. 
He was a great prospect. Taking a third round, you know, I think I would have taken a second rounder on him, but he is already established to be one of the premier rookie wide receivers. I expect nothing but great things for him moving forward as the Detroit Lions continue to get better and better because, I mean, they set the bar pretty low this year. All right. Number four, this one's a no-brainer, who I was right about, pounding the table for him. He had character concerns coming out, but his talent was not questioned. He ended up going later than I thought. I thought the Atlanta Falcons should have taken this player fourth overall, and that is Micah Parsons, linebacker from Penn State. Micah Parsons was in the running to be the defensive player of the year, not only the rookie of the year, but the defensive player of the year, and that shows you just how good he is. Finished with 84 tackles and 13 sacks. He had a rookie year comparable to what Lawrence Taylor did. I know there's others like Finside the NFL that have compared him to Lawrence Taylor light coming out of school, L-I-T-E, light. Okay. Um, but and they're not wrong. He's he's had his dominance. Everyone was raving over Chase Young, and he had a he had like five more sacks than Chase Young did. He transformed that Cowboys defense into a top 15 unit, which was bottom of the league just a year ago. It's clear to see his presence. It caused them to move off of linebacker, uh, What's his name from Notre Dame? Jalen Smith. Uh, Van Der Esch is kind of a side piece now. It shows that the linebacker unit was a strength of the Cowboys, and he exceeded all of them. Him and Dan Quinn helped transform the Cowboys' defense. He is a true def- difference maker on the defensive side of the ball. Like I said, he easily is going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year by a mile. He should w- uh I don't think he'll win Defensive Player of the Year. I think that'll go to T.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, one of those guys. But... I think for sure the fact that he's even in the conversation as a rookie is absolutely phenomenal. So, Micah Parsons, which is a no-brainer. Another one on my list that had was a Cezo Gillari. Cezo Gillari for the New York Giants, outside linebacker out of Georgia. They kind of played him out of position this year. They played him at defensive end. I believe he's more of an outside linebacker. Uh, I think it's more of a desperation because the Giants didn't really have a pass rush. He had a pretty great year himself. He had 49 tackles, eight sacks. Um, And like I said, he was my uh, DN outside linebacker number one in the draft. Jalen Phillips was was just behind him, but that's because I did not trust Jalen Phillips' concussion history. Uh, It scared the shit out of me because concussions are one thing you can't really get over. They always haunt you. Uh, But Aziz Ojolari for the Giants is a great building block, a great piece. He was taken in the second round, which is an absolute steal for this player. I believe it was due to him having a medical concern pop up in the in the combine, which is what led him to drop. I thought he was going to go in the late teens, early 20s. But good for the Giants to take him. I believe they're going to try to get a pass rusher in either the draft or free agency to push him to the outside more to his natural role as an outside linebacker. But kudos to them, man. Aziz Ojolari was a great player. I liked him a lot coming out. I don't blame the Dolphins for not taking him once we took Jalen Phillips. I was more upset we missed on Javante uh, Williams, but we got uh, Javon Holland out of it, so I'm happy there. But it's absolutely incredible. He did a great job, and like I said, I really, really, really am impressed with this kid. My dad wants a jersey of him for his rookie year because he's a huge Giants fan, which tells you all you need to know. Uh, number six, another player, and this is the last one of my where I was right in terms of players that I thought that were good that ended up being good, and that's Kyle Pitts. This one is a no-shit Sherlock. Taken by the Atlanta Falcons, he is one of the first, uh, I believe, in over 10 years, 1,000-yard receiving tight ends. He only had one touchdown, which is kind of an eh, but rookie tight ends usually never explode the way they do. They almost always take two, sometimes three years. It's because they're learning multiple positions, multiple blocking schemes, because they have to wear many hats. Uh, 
you got to see it with Dawson Knox. Bills fans wanted a tight end difference maker so bad, and Dawson Knox exploded this year, right? Most rookies take even Mike Gusecki. Miami fans, we all hated him his rookie year and because he was miscast, number one. But two, tight ends always take a while. Guys like Randy McMichael hit the ground running, sure, but most of the time they don't. And add the pressure of him being a top five pick and Calvin Ridley missed half the season. And this kid still put up numbers is an absolute amazing achievement. He's going to be one of the best tight ends in the league. He already is one of the top six tight ends in the league, but I expect in another year or so he's going to be the best tight end in football. So absolute. Even though I said the Falcons should have taken Micah Parsons, they didn't do wrong by taking, you know, another gold jacket caliber player with Kyle Pitts. I would have preferred they take a defensive playmaker, but I'm not going to poo-poo them too much for taking a gold jacket Hall of Fame player on the offensive side of the ball. So, and that's the end for my who was good and the others are good. <laughs> now we're going to keep it positive. And what I mean by that is where I was wrong. Players that I thought would be shitty or struggle or have growing pains that ended up being really good. And I say keep it positive because these are players that are, and I actually always make the joke, I like being wrong because that means me as a, you know, a nerdy gamer that just watches college football and like watches, you know, some all 22 I'm able to get for the most part, though, I have to go by YouTube and I'm not afraid to admit that because, and I just try to watch the full games via YouTube because that's what I watch. Uh, the fact that scouts get it right more than me is a good thing because they get paid money to do that and I do not. <laughs> so I'm happy when I'm proven wrong, but this is the list of players who I thought would struggle their rookie years and ended up coming out of the gate. Starting with my Miami Dolphins, uh, Jalen Phillips. He had eight and a half sacks, 16 quarterback hits, and looks to be an absolute stalwart on their defense. Uh, Phillips, you know, I didn't like the pick at the time. I would have taken Najee Harris or Quiddy Pay out of Michigan or Cezo Jolari. I was scared to death of the – I understand the talent was there out of the University of Miami, but the fact that he was forced to retire from football due to medical reasons at UCLA scared me. I am pleased and pleasantly surprised that Miami hit on a future pass rusher. It appears these demons are behind him. If teams knew this, he would have been taken higher in the draft. He probably would have been top 12 pick. So the fact that he fell to 18, even though I'm really missing Najee Harris and I like Najee Harris, I do not. I will take a Pro Bowl defensive end. And not that he's a Pro Bowl, by the way, but he's a future Pro Bowler. I will take a premier defensive end any day of the week over a running back. So the fact is they address that need as a huge, huge hit at pick 18. He's already made his presence felt his rookie year. Him and Emmanuel Agba seem like a great pairing. I hope Miami extends Emmanuel Agba so they can kind of keep that pass rush duo going. I'm incredibly excited. Just let him keep rushing the passer. I know they like to drop him in coverage, but ease him into that. Don't throw him off the deep end into it. But he already was basically right there with Chase Young's rookie year, and people gave him defensive player of the year. The only reason he won't win defensive player of the year, him or Javon Holland, even though they should be considered, is because of how great Micah Parsons is, how much of a physical freak Micah Parsons is. So if it wasn't for Micah Parsons, he would be in definitely the discussion for defensive player, uh, defensive rookie of the year. So I am pleasantly surprised with this. I am happy to be proven wrong, and my Miami Dolphins have a future Pro Bowl or defensive end. Next on this list, the players I was infamously wrong on. I caught a lot of shit on Twitter for this when I released my state, my original ranking, and that is Jamar Chase. I am happy to be wrong, though. I thought the Bengals should have taken Panay Suell or Sean Slater. They took, you know, I was pleasantly surprised. They took Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is already one of the best receivers in football. He somehow topped Justin Jefferson's year. He finished with 1,455 receiving yards, 
13 touchdowns and 81 receptions, which is absolutely absurd. He is part of a Bengals offense that is currently geared to play in the Super Bowl. He helped elevate Joe Burrow's career. He had he had struggles in training camp, you know, with catches and early oopsie drops. But I think that had to do with him not playing football for a year, and that's why I thought he would struggle his first year. He didn't separate as naturally a cow. Um, on some of his college film, but he separated plenty in this one. <laughs> a lot of yak, a lot of, you know, he's shown that the physical, the game wasn't too physical for him. And he got his sure hands back, which was odd to me because he was sure handed. I just didn't like him for his lack of separation, but he got his sure hands back, plenty of workout on the jug machine. He is already one of the best receivers in football. He is right there with Justin Jefferson, his teammate, keeping that LSU hype train going. I am pleasantly surprised at Jamar Chase, and I will eat that L. And I apologized on Twitter, I think, like in September, October, like I was dead wrong on Jamar Chase. I had him as my wide receiver four, really tied for third with Rashad Bateman. He is wide receiver one. I overthought it. Jamar Chase is absolutely special. Now, I think Jalen Waddle's right there, too. I think if Waddle was on a more explosive offense, he'd be right there with him. So I think Waddle and him are very much right there. I don't think Waddle's come near his ceiling either. So I think in like three or four years... It's going to be a fun battle, and I even think Devontae Smith lived up to my receiver one ranking. He just plays in Philly. I think these three are going to have battles for the next four to five years of who's the top receiver, very similar to how Mike Evans, Odell Beckham had this battle going back and forth and Sammy Watkins. So I'm incredibly excited to watch this come out. But, yeah, I eat a big old fat L on Jamar Chase. He is an absolute stud, and he was worth every bit of the pick of uh, fifth overall. Next up is Rashawn Slater. And Rashawn Slater, I didn't think would suck for the record. I had Panay Suell as my OT1. Panay Suell, I thought, was the more sure-handed left tackle. I thought Rashawn Slater, because he had T-Rex arms, would be more suited for guard, right? You see this plenty of times in the NFL happen. Now, I think he would have been a Pro Bowl guard, so it's not you could still take a Pro Bowl guard top 10. He ended up going to the Chargers, what, 12th or 13th, which was still a great pick for them. But Rashawn Slater is one of the best tackles in football. He was the top-ranked offense, rookie offensive tackle. He only allowed four sacks, and he played all year, didn't miss a game. He is a future Pro Bowler left tackle. You take that nine out of ten times, or ten out of ten times, and the fact that they got him outside of the top ten is truly spectacular. It actually shows that most of the league agreed with me because Panay Suell, one, did go higher than him, but two, he did go out of the top ten. So if people knew what they knew now, he wouldn't have made it past the Panthers. <laughs> they would have taken him in a heartbeat. But, you know... Like I said, kudos to them. I give Rashawn Slater all of it. Of course, the Chargers, they get Justin Herbert in a slide that exceeded everyone's expectation. Next year, they get Rashawn Slater, who exceeds expectations. Looks like they have two perennial pro bowlers on that team already with their left tackle and quarterback. And they already have a pro bowler at running back at Austin Eckler. So they're setting up for success. I can't wait to see what the Chargers do next year. Number four. Oh, this one pains me to say. Uh, Mac Jones. Now, Mac Jones, if you listen to my evaluation on him, I said he was a high floor, low ceiling prospect, and I was right on him. If you go back and listen to my earlier podcasts like a year ago on ranking the quarterbacks, I think my evaluation's right on Mac Jones. I stand by it. Where I was wrong on Mac Jones is I had him as, I believe, my QB5. And clearly, of the all the rookies he played the best this year, I would say, he was QB1. Now, this is where I come back to, let's touch base on this in three years, because Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance might end up still being better than him. I mean, this happened with Baker Mayfield where he hit the ground running and exploded and Josh Allen passed him and Lamar Jackson passed him. 
you could have a same thing happen here with Mac Jones. Now, I think Mac Jones could still get better, but I don't think he's going to get much better. Mac Jones finished with 3,800 yards passing, 30, uh, 30, Jesus, 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, a 92.5 quarterback rating, and he's finished 16th in the NFL in QBR. So he is right around league average, right? Dead way at the halfway point, the prime meridian of quarterbacks, which isn't bad for a rookie. He did take the Patriots to the playoffs. He led a very efficient game. It's clear they managed the game for him. He had a great running attack with Harrison, uh, um, brain farting the name, Damian Harrison, uh, Ramondre Stevenson at running back. You know, the weapons were improved with Kendrick Bourne. I think they are going to add another weapon there with Nelson Aguilar as well, by the way. They're they're going to add another weapon from the offseason, whether it be free agency, trade of the draft. They're going to continue to build up there. Having Hunter Henry at tight end was a huge Smith too and Johnny Smith. But they're going to add some more weapons for him. I think he's going to take another step up. But I just, and maybe I'm dead wrong in this. I just think I wouldn't be surprised if he gets his way up to like 25, 26 touchdowns next year and like has low picks still and be an efficient quarterback. I think him too and uh, I think all these Bama quarterbacks are about the same. They're good game managers. They can get you to the big game, but they need help. And at the end of the day, I still think, like I said, I stand by my evaluation. I think Trey Lance and Justin Herbert or Justin Herbert, (laughs) Trevor Lawrence are going to be better quarterbacks in three years. But after year one, he was the best rookie quarterback. He should not win rookie of the year, though, because rookie of the year deserves to go to either Jamar Chase. It should be Jamar Chase. Or if it's not him or Sean Slater. No way in hell should it go to Mac Jones because he had a good year, but nothing like what Baker Mayfield had his rookie year or Justin Herbert did his rookie year. So I would rather give it to the guys that set records or rookie years like Slater and uh, like uh, Jamar Chase did. But I'm giving him his due because he was the best rookie this year. So my rating was wrong. Mac Jones was the best rookie quarterback this year. Number five is JOK, Jeremiah Wusukoromora. Uh, he went in the second round to the Browns because they had the same fear I did, weighing in only 218 pounds. I thought he was way too light to be a linebacker, that he was more designated to be a safety, and that would take a year or two to transition. But I did like his speed. But he finished with 75 tackles, two forced fumbles, one and a half sacks, played 14 of the 17 games, and he made the all-rookie team. Uh, for being a second-round pick, slash, I know he was projected to go late one. He ended up being a really good player for them, great in pass coverage. Uh, he put on a little bit of weight, and he was able to play on the inside. He struggled a little bit and had that rookie wall, but I thought he'd be a complete bust if they tried to play him a linebacker. It would take him a couple of years to transition to safety, but Jeremiah Wusukoromara made the all-rookie team as a rookie, so I'm going to give him credit for that. He played on an improved uh, Cleveland Browns defense. He was great in pass coverage. Um, I think the he has a really high ceiling there, and they're going to keep growing with him. So uh, I was wrong on him. It shows that players can change and add weight and gain. So you don't. It's, it's just a friendly reminder when you look at players like him, and when you look at players like uh, uh, Trevor Lo- or not Trevor Lawrence, Jesus Justin Herbert last year. It's a projection, right? Jamar Chase too. It's a projection. Meaning you can't just take what they did and assume that they're going to improve number one for some players. And also you can't just look at players that are bad and think they're not going to improve. So he took a lot of, you know, you got to go with the physical talent and improve there. So I was wrong on Jeremiah Russo-Coromoro and he wraps up my where I was wrong list. There's two more lists I want to cover. But first I wanted to go to quick break here. Uh, and then we're going to get into the negative side of things in 4G, which is the where I was right in terms of prospects I thought that would struggle that did, and where I was wrong, prospects that I thought would be good that sucked eggs. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to cover the uh, we're going to cover the negative part of the right and wrong.
and we're back. So I covered my where I was right and wrong and prospects that were good. And now we're going to get into the negative part of it, where I was wrong or where I was right in terms of they would be bad. I'm going to start this list off and coming in hot. There's only two players on this, and that is Zach Wilson, quarterback out of BYU for the Jets. This one's going to pain Paul. But as, even though I had Zach Wilson, I think he was my QB3 or QB4. I had a feeling where he was going, which was the Jets. He struggled with pressure, especially in his face. He had all day to throw at BYU. I loved his arm talent, but I really questioned how he would handle pressure at the next level, especially since he isn't the biggest guy. Uh, and he'd had a very underwhelming rookie year. He had 2,300 yards passing, nine touchdowns, 11 picks, 69.7 quarterback rating, and he ranked 30th in the NFL in total QBR, 28.2. Ouch. Sam Darnold, I believe, is in that bottom of the list too, by the way. <laughs> but there's some bad ones, and we're going to get into the other stinkers, don't you worry. Uh, Zach Wilson, like I said, struggled with the Jets. He wasn't in the best situation, especially when Mackie Becton was out for the year, his uh, his rookie sensation at left tackle. Their offensive line ended up being okay. They have some nice pieces to build around, though, with uh, running back Michael Carter out of North Carolina. Um, Elijah Moore they took in the second round this year. Um Corey Davis was a disappointment, but they still have some weapons they can improve upon. They still have cap space. They still have two top 10 draft picks. So this is by no means the end of the world for Zach Wilson. But given his rookie year, it was extremely underwhelming. He has the arm talent to take it to the next level, by the way. But they're going to have to surround him. Elijah Vera Tuckler had a pretty solid rookie year at left, at, uh, left guard. Once Becton comes back, that left side is set. I think they need to solidify the right side of the offensive line. Like I said, I think they can do that in free agency, but if not, they can take a right tackle like a Daniel Falele in the second round, or they can use one of their top two picks uh, in the draft to do it too, since they have two top 10 picks. But yeah, I think the Jets, he was underwhelming for the Jets. They end up with the top five pick because of it. But like I said, it's just the first year, but as of right now, it is very easy to see he was disappointing. Number two, another prospect that was not high on that was taken in the first round was Alex Leatherwood. He had eight sacks allowed, 14 penalties. He had a 45 grade on PFF. He was ranked in the bottom five of starting offensive tackles. Not good for the Vegas Raiders. Their offensive line was okay. They had guards like Jermaine Illuminor who were bright spots, but their right tackle was an eyesore, and that eyesore was Alex Leatherwood. They were a playoff team, so I'll give them that, but most Raider fans will tell you Leatherwood sucks. And while his rookie year was underwhelming, he can improve. But God, like that was a reach when everybody saw it on the draft. And when you have other right tackles that were on the board that were better value, it's very painful for Raider fans, especially when they got rid of the right tackle. I mean, Trent Brown, they traded. So to replace Trent Brown with Alex Leatherwood, hey, talk about a step down. Now we're getting into the wrong where I pro- prospects I thought that were good that were the rookie year we're going to start with my boy i just made fun of paul now paul's going to make fun of me oh sunshine aka trevor lawrence he finished 28th in total qbr 33.5 3600 yards passing 12 touchdowns 17 picks he was a turnover machine of course he looked like freaking you know he looked like ken stabler against the dolphins and against the titans that last game of the year he had two bright spot games he had flashes of throws but man he had some really bad he had the definition of a rookie quarterback season folks high highs and low lows now, under new co- uh, new head coach Doug Peterson coming in, they're going to add some weapons. They have a top five pick. I know they're going to use that probably on a pass rusher, but they could use it on a left tackle, Evan Neal, as well to solidify their offensive line. But the Jaguars are nowhere near done. I wouldn't be surprised if they sign a receiver like Chris Godwin and pay him boogles of money. 
they're going to improve that team. They do get Travis Etienne back as well, their first-round running back, who missed most of the year. Uh, they're going to have a good running game. Like I said, they're going to invest in a wide receiver, and they're probably going to take an offensive lineman or two in the draft. So this should be – and they have a quarterback-friendly coach this time coming in. So you could see the leap with Trevor Lawrence, but, man, it feels like he spent more time on Subway commercials than he did reading a playbook. But Trevor Lawrence did not look good. He's on this list. Number two on this list didn't really play bad, but he was just hurt most of the year, and that's J.C. Horn, corner of the Panthers. I was extremely high in this kid, son of uh, – his dad was a receiver for the New Orleans Saints for many years, Joe Horn. I was extremely high on this kid, but compared to his counterpart, uh, Sertan, for the Broncos, I think he can live up to that pick, by the way. I think it's just the fact that he was hurt the year. So much like Travis Etienne, it's easy to give him an incomplete, but – it is very unsettling as a Panther fan when you look across and you see the Denver Broncos, you know, who picked the pick after you, who took Tr- Sertan, and Sertan already looks like he's a future Pro Bowler. So he could be decent, but it's the same feeling Miami fans had when Trevor, or when Tua Tungavailoa was sitting on the bench and Herbert and Burrow were lighting it up. You're like, uh oh, what are the chances that this kid's actually good? They might feel the same way with Horn of like, uh oh, did we just take the bust? And I was wrong on him. Like I said, we'll find out. He might do good corners, take two to three years, but. Year one, Sertan definitely looks like one of the best corners in this draft. Uh, number four was a man crush list of mine. These last two were man crush list of mine that I was completely wrong on. That is Dwayne Eskridge. Who? People are going to be saying <laughs> it's because he missed most of the season. He was drafted by the New Orleans Saints. He only played eight games, had 10 receptions, 64 yards, and one touchdown. And that's not a bad stat line if you played in one game. But when you play in eight games, ee. he was a speedster. Uh, he had a little bit of, you know, injury history in college. So the fact that he had injury history here isn't a surprise, but man, compared to his counterparts in this otherwise loaded receiver class, if you took him high, I think they took him in the second round. Hooey, when you see guys like St. Brown lighting it up and you see guys like Waddle and you see guys like, um, uh, Rondell Moore for the Cardinals, like you can't help and Elijah Moore for the Jets, you can't help it. Like, man, did we take the one freaking receiver that busted out of this group? Number five is Boogie Basham. I love Boogie Basham for the Bills. He's another one that only played in eight games. He had 18 tackles, two and a half sacks. Another one, the Bills with their nine defensive ends, they were constantly rotating. Gregory Rousseau was clearly the starting piece on there. He just couldn't find a starting spot, and when he did, he was hurt. Boogie Basham, I think, still has a chance to get healthy and play, but when you're injured a lot your rookie year, it does cause a side glance, especially when you have so many, uh, so much competition at that position. One argues, especially with taking him in the second round, is you have a future with the team. So maybe he will be traded or released and end up on another team to get a shot. But right now, it does not look good for Boogie because I think he is going to get buried on that depth chart. And I'll take an L for him. Uh, I said last one, but there was one more I had on here, and I skipped over for some reason. Justin Fields. And Justin Fields, I wasn't as high on as Trevor Lawrence or Trey Lance. But Justin Fields, I did feel like would hit the ground running, and then he would flame out. I thought he would be a great mobile quarterback year one. you know, And then I thought he'd be the QB1 this year. And then he would year two and three he would have the josh freeman struggle the vince young struggles in years two and three but he had struggles right off the gate now that was due to his coach matt Nagy, who is no longer with the team basically yo-yoing him for andy dalton he was trying to win games but also develop him similar to brian flores i think it's because he was trying to save his job he ultimately did not he hurt fields development now it's up to new head coach matt eberflus the defensive coordinator for the colts to come in and help rebuild him I don't have much hope, though, because he is a defensive-minded coach. It's going to all depend on that offensive coordinator position, and if Fields can naturally just take the next step, get a full offseason. I'm not writing it off on Fields yet, but the fact is that I thought he'd be a hot prospect who flamed out. If he starts off bad, I don't know if he's going to take it up a notch compared to his counterparts, Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance and Mac Jones as well. 
So it does not look good off the bat for Justin Fields. So that was it for the draft. Uh, look, just a year back, a look back. Want to thank everyone for joining me. I'm going to go in much more detail as the years go on with this, but since I had a really short start to this in 2021, I wanted to pr- use this as an opportunity to provide a quick feedback. Um, uh, so I already mentioned teams. So what teams looking back for those who don't remember in the AFC East, I had the new England Patriots. No, I had the New York jets winning the draft coach. Bobby Cesarano had the Patriots winning the draft. He looks really good by the way, with that with Christian Barmore, Mac Jones as their picks and uh, Ramondre Stevenson. I feel really comfortable with the jets though, too, with Zach Wilson being kind of eh, his rookie year, which sucks, but the rest of their picks were home runs. Elijah Vera Tucker was a good pick. Elijah Moore was a good pick. Michael Carter was a good pick. Uh, my Miami Dolphins ended up with a really good draft. I had them as the third rank. They might have been ended up being in the top three, top four of overall teams in the draft. They came away with two future Pro Bowlers in Javon Holland and Jalen Phillips. Um, and also Jalen Waddle. Three picks back to back to back that were really, really good. Now they missed probably on Liam Eikenberg, but when your first three picks are future Pro Bowlers, that's a really good draft. Um, we're gonna see if they can if that makes up for the 2020 draft, which they completely bumbled. But I still give credit, though, to having one of the teams that had the best drafts. And looking at it was the Denver Broncos, like I said. Sertan looks like a future Pro Bowler. Javante Williams looks really good. And Quinn Miners looks like a great Pro Bowler on, on the offensive line. I had them as one of my number ones, and I still have them in my top three. I had the Panthers up there, but they definitely disappointed. Chuba Hubbard had an okay part, but they had a lot of injuries. So one will see if, like, in three years if they're healthy and good. But, yeah, that's about it for... So this is going to close the book on the 2021 draft. Maybe in two years or a year, we'll reevaluate it and have some smaller topics instead of covering the whole class, looking back at the quarterback position specifically. But yeah, Senior Bowl just happened last week. We're going to get into quarterback rankings. We're going to get into, you know, risers and fallers, uh, prospects that can increase or decrease their value uh, via the combine or via team meetings. So stay tuned for that. Best of luck to everyone who celebrates the Super Bowl this weekend. Stay safe. with the Bengals and the Rams. Once again, this is Geeks Who Watch Football. We post two episodes a week, one covering football, the other covering video games. We upload to wherever you get your podcast, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. In addition to that, I also upload it to the Facebook page at Geeks Who Watch Football and my Twitter at MadTitan1018. Thank you so much for everyone for all your support, and I will catch you guys later.